They take care of the baby at night so mom and dad can get some sleep. I don't want a stranger in my house. It's like a Lifetime movie where the nanny tries to kill the family and the mom survives and she has to walk with a cane at the end. Get over yourself. Okay. So, now that all the petty crap is gone, welcome to Wade's Cinema. I'm Jack. I'm Corey. Okay. I just didn't want, you know... I, I wanted you to say your name, you know, instead of me being like, and with me is Corey or something. Yeah, because I'm a strong, independent woman. Throw your hands up at me so I can say my own name. You can. That's the moral of the story. Yeah, before uh, before we started recording, we were talking about the experience of going to see this movie. And that's a whole other story that won't make it on the podcast. You'll just have to imagine I... things that happen in New York City movie theaters that... Yeah. Make them New York City movie theaters. And let's just say it's very good that I survived calling a woman a very nasty name directly to her face. Yeah. Well, maybe for a moment you were kind of channeling uh, a little bit of the, the main character from this movie. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get into that in a moment. Um, we just saw uh, the new <clears throat> Jason Reitman Diablo Cody movie, Tully. Yes. And, oh my God. So... Let's sketch our experience of seeing this movie a little bit. Yeah, because this is like we we uh, we weren't intending on necessarily doing an episode about this movie in particular, but um, yeah, we uh, it, it it actually worked out in a way how we saw it though, as far as being able to record it now. So, like with a quiet place. I went to see this movie with Ashley. So I went to the 245 who's, showing. Who's Corey's friend, by the way. Yes. So Ashley's my friend. She and I went to see the movie at 245. And you had a general plan to see the movie, but not a specific plan. Yeah, I was um, I was probably going to maybe even see a different movie today. Uh, not even like this one. Like I had a whole other plan in mind originally. And then... But then, by the time I saw the movie, I had an overwhelming impulse to discuss it with you. So, as soon as the closing credits rolled, I burned with the desire to have a conversation with you about this. So, I texted you, and I said, in my, you know, sweet and charming way, you must go and see this movie right now. Because I really want to talk about this with you. So, you were an awesome husband... And you went right out to see it. Yeah, I mean, part of uh, part of why I was able to muster up the energy and be like, all right, I'll do it, is that uh, I'm currently doing a, a, a particular month-long project involving MoviePass, which I won't go into too much detail here. If you want to find out more about it, you can actually visit my uh, the, the blog I sometimes write on personally. It's called The Sanitarium. Uh, I'll link it in the uh, doobly-doo um, in the description. Um, but yeah, then, so I went to go see it, and I could see why you wanted me to see it. Um. Yeah, I, I am so excited to metaphorically eat your brain and gain your knowledge. <laughs> I. Well, likewise, I'm, I'm interested I'm to hear I'm so you. excited to hash this movie out with you, because I texted you. Mm-hmm. I basically don't know whether or not I think this is 
a worthwhile movie, whether or not I would recommend this movie. If we're just boiling things down to should you see this, should you not see this, thumbs up, thumbs down, I really don't know. Well, in terms of the first part being a worthwhile thing, as far as it being something that the the filmmakers and actors really had, you know, they, they really wanted to tell the story there is artistic merit to this movie. Would I recommend it? I'm still, yeah, I'm a little on the fence. It depends on who. I'm not going to say I, I come out of this like acrimony where <laughs> I was like, well, I'll recommend it to maybe this person, that person for completely ironic reasons. Now, again, now if you haven't heard of this movie, so Tully uh, is about this, uh, uh, this mother, uh, her name's Marlo, she's played by Charlize Theron. Uh, at, the, at the start of the movie, she's about to have her third kid. She's married to Ron Livingston. And the movie's just kind of just following their their lives. That uh, They also have two other kids. Um, one of the kids, uh, the, the son, uh, Jonah, he is five and basically is, I think, autistic. Yeah, he's, we kind of pick up that he has some type of autism, but he's never diagnosed in the movie. He, he has, like, the, the, the kid on parenthood autism. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen the TV show Parenthood, which I haven't necessarily watched it, but Corey has, um, there's a mother, mother-son relationship that... I have to wonder if Diablo Cody's a big fan of that. Yes, I thought of Parenthood when watching this as well. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, she has the third kid, and she's just a complete wreck because, you know, Dad isn't really around to help her out much. You know, when you have a newborn, it kind of sucks, frankly. You basically turn into, like, one of the Walking Dead, only instead of you eating people, a baby will... <laughs> Someone's eating you. Yeah, there you go. They're eating you and draining you of your natural life essence. And so she gets stressed out. Her brother uh, recommends this night nanny, which apparently he and his wife had. Finally, after a particularly stressful day, she's like, all right, fine, I'll I'll call. And uh, then Tully shows up. Not to be confused with the Sesame Street character Tully, just want to make that clear. I didn't even remember who that character Tully was. was the one who, like, I have to, I kind of picture Tully is, like, in the background somewhere on Sesame Street with a shiv just waiting for his chance to get <laughs> Elmo. Because it's like, when I was a little kid, Tully, Tully is the uh, Sesame Street character probably everyone's forgotten about. Yeah, I don't know who Tully yeah, is. Yeah, Tully was, like, a Muppet who was kind of, like, dark red he had like a characteristic where he was very nervous a lot of the time. In a way, he kind of reminded me of Rex from the Toy Story movies. Um, like he was a big presence when I was a little kid in Sesame Street. Um, and then Elmo really actually became big after. I, I know we're this isn't the Sesame Street podcast. I just whenever I hear the name Tully, I think of the Muppet. And no, this isn't a movie where Tully gets his day. Um, Mackenzie, what's her name? Oh, God, I'm blanking on her name. I don't know. When oh, Mac- Mackenzie, know, Mackenzie Davis. Uh, one of the female leads from the Black Mirror episode, San Junipero. That's probably how you know uh, Oh, oh, and um, Blade Runner, 2049. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was, uh, 
there's a particular scene that she has in that movie that's pretty memorable. If you've seen the movie, then you might know who I'm talking about. And yes, Andrew Perro, you've, you've seen her in a bunch of stuff, like uh, The Martian. And so she comes in, and it's like, oh, I can relax. You know, this woman's got this. She's, you know, making things okay. She's taking care of the little baby at night, and so Marlo can now get sleep. And then... Without going into spoilers, because this is one of those reviews where we are going to have spoilers and we'll try and make a spoiler warning. Um, because in order to fully talk about the movie, it's difficult to do that without getting into spoilers. Yeah. But um, uh, but what I can say up front, though, I you know the acting in this movie across the board is very good. Yeah, the acting is great. And I can say, I just looked up the runtime of this movie on my phone a second ago. It said it was 94 minutes. Now, I know some of that is credits. Yeah. So, let's say the movie is 94 minutes long. I really enjoyed probably, like, 87 of those 94 minutes. But um, I'd say maybe 80 minutes. But I want to say my feelings about this movie in one sentence are I really liked most of it, but the ending is hot garbage. And the end? Well... I'm undecided yet whether I think the ending has ruined the movie or not. Right. I mean, again, we'll get into the ending in a second. Um, but I want to just talk about little things in the movie, though, that I did like. Because yeah. I think there are things I can pick apart here. that I think this movie does that other movies that deal with pregnancy and childbirth and yeah. baby rearing don't show. This is a small thing, but whenever you see a movie... It, it, you get the sense that babe, as soon as you get, as a woman gets in the hospital, a baby is born right away. Yeah. And while, and this was a small touch, but when they get in the hospital, you know, I mean, she wakes up and her water's, water breaks, but she's really calm. She's not really reacting much. Mm -hmm. And then they show her just kind of like in bed looking at her phone. And it's like a brief, like five second scene. But I really appreciated that. That's, there are so many things about this movie I enjoyed so much, which is why I'm struggling so internally yeah. about yeah. how I'm processing the cliff that this movie jumps off of at the end. Because uh, there it's... are so many things I think this movie does so well. And I think you're right. Its strengths are like the little moments of realism that you yeah. just don't see. Yeah, and, but that's also something that Reitman and Diablo Cody have done in their other movies together. This is their third collaboration after Juno and Young Adult. Um, overall, I'd say this is not their best. It's probably their weakest. But, I mean, Charlize Theron is amazing in this movie. Yeah. Like, I would almost say that for the misgivings that we'll get to, I would almost say to go see it for her. Because again, like she is so committed to this part, yeah. and it's just she looks so exhausted through most yeah. of this movie. I read um, a review of this movie that said that Charlize Theron is able to turn her own star power. She's able to turn it up or turn it down, like operating a dimmer switch. 
Hmm. Which was something another reviewer said, which I thought was really smart, so I'm taking it now. This idea that she has total control over how, like, glamorous or unglamorous she is. And she has this capacity to disappear into roles Mm -hmm. and play regular people, but she can also obviously amp it up, you know, as a former model. Yeah. Well, also it helps when something is there on the page for her, too. I mean, we saw her last year in Atomic Blonde, and there wasn't that much for her to do except, you know, I'm a you know, hot blonde who kicks the shit out of people. In this, she actually is playing a human being. And, you know, she did that too in Young Adult. I mean, that was was a movie where she played a very unlikable character, but she brought a lot of, like, Mm -hmm. against kind of her star power to it. Um, In this, I wouldn't say that she's, her character's unlikable. She's just kind of, I guess, believably screwed up and pissed off a lot of the time yeah and worn down yeah she's worn down and also Mackenzie davis i'd say at first she kind of came on a little too like manic pixie dream girly i'm not talking so much about the character i mean even her performance yeah um and Ron Livingston, Mark Duplass, they're Ron Livingston, Mark Duplass. They look they're so similar. Yeah. That... I actually thought <laughs> when Mark Duplass first came onto the screen, I thought to myself, are they doing some weird thing where Ron Livingston is playing the brother and the husband at the same time? Mm-hmm. I really thought it was like some weird double casting for a second. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, if you took the, like, the beard off of Duplass, he has... You know, I don't know if that was intentional on their part, like, in the casting, or if it's just like, well, we need two typical sort of indie Hollywood male leads for this movie. Yeah, and Ron Livingston's character, you know, he means well, but he's pretty distant from what's going on. He works very long hours at his job. Yeah, but, well, that's fine, but then... There's also the thing of he gets home and he's playing video games. Yeah. And I'm sorry, like, you know, in a way, I have to wonder. I remember you telling, this is a side thing, but I remember you telling me once that you grew up without having one of the video game consoles that a lot of people in our generation had, like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. And you said that, the reason was because the, that your parents wouldn't buy, or specifically your dad wouldn't buy it, was because he said he knew that if he bought it, he would be playing it all the time. Yeah, so... <laughs> Maybe I, this <laughs> is an argument for that. Yeah, my father said he was never going to bring a video game system into the house because he as an adult had enough distractions. And But yeah, so Ron Livingston, <laughs> he works long hours at his job, and when he's not at his job... He's got his headphones on playing video games. Yeah. Now, again, it's not that he's a bad father or a bad husband. Like, And they even once or twice show him doing father things like helping mm-hmm. daughter with homework or, you know, still, you know, he, he's he's believably, again, as you said, detached, but he's not bad. It, that's why. But that's what adds to the believability of it, which also leads to, uh, in a way, the problems that the end yeah. of the movie bring. Um, oh, I definitely have some Ron Livingston-specific right. problems with the ending. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, God, I mean, 
you know, and you know, a lot of the movie, like I said, there's if if you've had kids or you've had that experience of parenthood, I'm sure this movie will be like again, the the trailer for this movie makes it look a little bit like another here's another wacky indie-ish comedy about, you know, life. You know, again, it's Juno and young adult. I would have to think if you've had kids, this has to hit home like a horror movie. Well, another thing I read, because apparently I'm not giving my own thoughts tonight. I'm just paraphrasing <laughs> what reviews of Tully no, said. No, it's, it's okay. You're, you're giving context to... But I read another review of Tully that said, Diablo Cody had never, hadn't had children when she wrote Juno. Now she has three children. It's blatantly obvious that she hadn't had a kid when she wrote Juno, and she has three kids. Well, to be Tully. fair, Juno didn't necessarily. That wasn't really about parenthood. It was, about it was just, yeah. It was a, you know, it was also like you could almost look at these three movies that she's done with Reitman as like this informal, weird trilogy that doesn't really connect. Yeah. But you know, because um, you know, the, the the first movies involves teenagers. The second movie is a little bit more about someone in their twenties or thirties early thirties. Yeah. And this is someone who's hit 40. Yeah. This is her, like, this is 40 movie for better or worse. Um, so I don't know. I think we might need to move on the spoilers in a moment. Yeah. Um, but I think... would, would you now, before we move on to that, you, so you really aren't sure if you could recommend this to someone. I'm really not sure because again, I was, unambiguously a fan of this movie until the ending. I thought it did such a good job um, making slice-of-life commentary really interesting. I thought there's some witty dialogue, but it's definitely toned down compared yeah. to something like Juno. Mm-hmm. So I thought, like, it was clever. I didn't think it was laugh-out-loud funny. No, I, I, I laughed With once the... or twice, but it's really more of a drama that adds, like, the characters yeah. have wit to them, but that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean they're... It's, it's, it, and, and to Diablo Cody's credit as a writer, she's not repeating herself, thankfully. Like, she's not doing another thing like Juno where every character talks in a hyper-stylistic way. Yeah, so I thought the movie was witty... Even if it wasn't really laugh out loud funny, I thought it was poignant. Mm-hmm. I thought I loved the montage, the kind of like waking up, feeding, diaper changing. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was uh, again. That's where it almost turns into like kind of like a, a horror movie. So I really liked most of this movie, but the ending I think is a total train wreck, and it's the kind of train wreck that makes you go back. And look at what you've just spent 90 minutes watching and saying, yeah. why did I bother watching? Uh, so in other words, what I would say t- to the people listening, I would recommend this as a very high rental. Or even like when it comes out on video, you know, you could even get the DVD somehow and make sure to turn it off um, at a particular point about 80 minutes into the movie. Yeah, I have to say, though. I am very glad I financially supported maybe the last original movie that Hollywood will ever produce. <laughs> I know you always say that after, you know, every previous, like, original movie. So, 
And when I say I financially supported, I really mean Movie Pass. Um, yes, financially uh, we raise our glasses to you, Movie Pass. So every time on the rare occasions I see an original film, I think to myself, this might be it. This might be the last one. And this actually came through uh, Focus Features, so that was a little bit more of, like, a kind of independent-ish wing of Hollywood. Like, it, you know, it, it wasn't released in the same way, obviously, that, like, Avengers was released. This got a couple of thousand screens, I think, but, you know, it, it got the same kind of release that, like, Phantom Thread got, you know, when we talk about original movies being released um, I, I, I kind of get what you mean. It, it feels unusual to see a movie like this just as we're getting into the summer season. So I am glad that I chose to financially support an original character drama because I pro who knows when I'll see another one. Yeah. Well, also you have to remember sometimes, you know, it, a movie not, doesn't always completely nail the landing so to speak. Sometimes a movie will have a great flight, and then just as it's landing... <laughs> Alright. Alright, so um, want to go into spoilers? Well, yeah, and I'll say one more thing. that There is also one moment before the ending came. There was one particular scene, which we can get to in a moment, where I thought, hmm... Did you involve was... a waitress uniform? Yeah, I was watching that scene thinking... That was odd. That was my first WTF movement, moment in this movie as well. Yeah. I um, mean, that was, too, the only thing I think that really foreshadowed the ending. Yeah, but... It, uh, all right, so... All right, so if you don't want to be spoiled about the this movie, pause right here and... Okay, everybody so. good? Okay, so Corey, the first rule of postpartum <laughs> club is you cannot talk about postpartum club. And the second rule of postpartum <laughs> club is you can't talk about postpartum club. So yeah. this movie pulls some fight club shit. Yeah. That's the spoiler. The whole time, Tully is not really Tully there. Tully is not real. Tully is... A manifestation of Charlize Theron's consciousness. That Tully, Tully's her maiden name, and Tully is who Marlo was at a younger age, and she hallucinates Tully in a fit of postpartum psychosis. Yeah, I guess. It, here's here's my problem with it. I, in a way, I can kind of see what. Diablo Cody might have been trying to get at. Now, I don't know if whether this was her writing herself into a corner and kind of realizing I've written this very slice of life character piece movie. I guess I can't just end it that way and be like Mike Lee and yeah. just be content with that. So again, I she, wish she had been though. now. So it's the problem is I thought about, so, cause I was thinking about how, again, this is like a Tyler Durden reveal you know when you watch fight club stylistically that movie is so you know it's it's very much it feels like 
it's heightened in a certain way. You're you're watching a kind of reality, but everything looks really like, and like it, yeah. it has a particular look to it where. Even though it's reality, it's a kind of movie reality. It's like a director's stylizing this kind of world and this point of view of this character. And things already feel kind of off in a certain way from early on in the film. So that by the time the reveal comes, it doesn't feel like you're be you're, you're sideswiped. But it's like, like a good sideswipe. Here, in Tully, everything feels like just too realistic for that to really pay off well. Yeah, so... That's how I felt When I was it. talking about this with Ashley, as she and I were hashing it out before I saw you, we said, you can't... That kind of, like, fantastical, like, magical realism thing, that's something you have to commit to, or you can't do. Well, you can't just dribble it in. Well, it's not even, like, a fantastical thing. Like, I thought... Maybe she was, like, some literal magic pixie or, like... Because what I was wondering was, okay, so she was just a manifestation of something in her head. Why is she, like, a mermaid then? Well... Because what happens is, like, uh, through a series of things that happen, like, in the movie, they go out drinking and, like, uh, Charlize Theron kind of goes and brings Tully over into her old... Uh, stomping grounds in Bushwick. They have kind of like a drunken night. They're driving back home. Uh, Charlize Theron falls asleep at the wheel and their car crashes into a river. And then Tully turns into a mermaid? What? Well, I just assume that she was dreaming that Tully was a mermaid. Yeah. And there's... <sighs> it's insinuated in the movie that after the birth of her second child... Charlize Theron had postpartum depression. Yes. Now, with the birth of her third child, she's graduated to postpartum psychosis, which is an especially severe form of postpartum depression where you have hallucinations. So is this... Now, let me ask you, because I, I assume that maybe you've read about stuff like this here and there over the years, you know, I don't know where, but is this a real thing? It is a real medical condition, but the way the movie treats it is total BS. Like, if you have suffered from postpartum psychosis, this is a serious, serious uh, medical problem that requires hospitalization, intense medication, oftentimes electroshock therapy. Like, Andrea Yates had postpartum psychosis, to put things in perspective. Oh, shit. Postpartum psychosis also carries with it a high risk of suicide on the part of the mother. Yeah. So postpartum psychosis is a real condition. And the hormonal and the thing that also at least pays lip service to reality is if you have postpartum depression and then you have other children afterwards, that it's possible you might have either a more severe form of postpartum depression, or you might graduate to postpartum psychosis. So this idea that with subsequent pregnancies, if you suffer from this condition, it gets worse, that has some bearing in reality, but... But not in this movie reality, not in the way that this movie is framed. No, the way that the movie 
um, treats the revelation of Tully not being real as this cute, quirky, and anyone who's watched the movie will understand what I mean by that. Charlize Theron had serious, serious psychological problems that would require months of intense psychiatric therapy to treat. I'm talking prolonged hospitalization, high-grade pharmaceuticals, and as I said, possibly electroshock therapy. And, and the way that, the, again, but the way the movie presents it, I didn't really get the sense that she had the psychosis. I thought, I did, I wasn't even sure if she had postpartum depression. I mean, I was kind of making a joke with that. Like, she just seemed like what I picture is like the typical tired and stressed well, out form that you're in after you've had a kid. They insinuate she had it after Jonah. They don't say it. Well, that's, again, but that the reason why you call this garbage, and I... I don't know if I quite go that far, but why I feel like Diablo Cody was kind of cheating as a writer is that she springs this on, again, the last 10 minutes, uh. so that we... it Hallucinating another person and interacting with that other person, that hallucination, as if they are real for months, is not, like, a cute coping strategy. It's evidence of a serious psychiatric problem. And yet this movie ends with this, like, happy ending mm. where... Well, well, it's it's sort of, yeah, kind Well, I suppose if you wanted to try to reach a little bit, you could say that, well, things will still be difficult. She'll still deal. But, hey, isn't that life? So, so yeah, the, the movie kind of makes you believe that all of her problems are now gone, mentally speaking. Meanwhile, she's just hallucinated a woman that wasn't there for what seems like weeks. Yeah. And what's weird, too, is how, again, I know that you could say that this is, again, that kind of fight club thing where they try to cleverly get around how no one else is not seeing Tully there. Yeah. Which... Boy, we'll get to a thing. Oh, with that. we're getting to that. But I, I, it kind of seems weird though that nobody would have seen Tully in all that, or not seen her, so to yeah. speak, in all that time. Like, was she just having these conversations in her head? Was she talking out loud to anyone? Yeah, which... like that. That's what I don't get. Like, I, I know that. Yeah, we're led to believe that Ron Livingston in the movie, he's uh, his character is Drew. By the way, that Drew just like sleeps like a lug so that he never knows yeah, anything. The idea that Ron Living's that Drew wouldn't be able to figure out that there isn't actually a night nanny is so stupid. It's no, it's just too big a leap. And also even like you go back to, then you have to think about things that have happened in the movie. This is what happens when you have a twist. Then obviously that's the writer telling you, ah, now you can go back and when you watch the movie again, you could see how things have changed and so it's like that first night that she comes in again this is when we see Shirley's Theron she's at like her lowest point yeah. and somehow she magically cleaned up everything in the living room while being totally like exhausted I wish we hadn't been well first I wish they didn't spring the stupid twist on us in the first place but if they had to Actually going through the scene where Drew tells the doctor, what about the night nanny? No, this is insane. This is so stupid. 
I mean... Wait, wait, oh, yeah, yeah, because he tells the doctor that, doesn't he? Yeah, so the fact he believes the Night Nanny is real, someone he has literally never spoken to, never seen. And Diablo Cody, have you ever lived in a house? <laughs> because I don't know about you, but if I'm, like, in one room... I can hear people moving in other rooms mm -hmm. of the house. In fact, we live in an apartment that is um, a house that's been split into two units. I literally just heard our downstairs neighbors, like, move something. Um, I hear, when you live with other people, you hear them move around all the time. They have, like, even just, like, the kids not, like wake up one night and, even if you never see them or never which first of all the idea that ron livingston's character would literally never speak to the woman taking care of his baby is insane yeah yeah wait yeah the the, the, the how, how does that not happen like at least in fight club you had that scene where hellebaum carter is up in the morning and edward norton's like this is my house and she looks at him all like, what the fuck, and leaves. And then when you see the movie a second time, that scene has other meaning. Yeah, so this idea that I know Drew is detached, but the idea that you're so detached that you would literally never have a conversation with your nanny, you would literally not once be in the same room with your nanny, the idea that you would never... Um, notice mm -hmm. whether or not there was an extra person in your house because yeah. and i know when he plays his video games he has headphones on but if someone's walking around in your kitchen on the downstairs floor you can hear them on the upstairs floor if someone's talking on the downstairs floor you can hear them on the upstairs floor so you would know if you had one or two or three or eight people in your house. So this idea that I can push it with everyone else except for Drew. I can twist myself into believing... You can that, suspend your disbelief. Yeah, I can suspend my disbelief that the children would never see Tully. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, though. The fact that Drew wouldn't come down and be like, oh, hey, you're taking care of our baby, that's cool... That the fact that he never does that, yeah. that he never, like, do, again, doesn't notice her. Yeah, the idea that you would entrust your child to someone and literally never speak to them. And again, that's that led, and that's supposed to be that we're led to believe that again he's not the best father, but he is still a father. He's yeah, he's not the best father, but. He's not presented as a terrible father, and he's not presented as someone with a traumatic brain injury. So, no. the level of stupidity that this character demonstrates when he says to the doctor, Durr, but what about the night nanny? You know what would have solved this if you just made Tully a real character? Yeah, why did you, <laughs> why did you feel the need to do this, Diablo Cody? It... I get that maybe she thought to herself while writing it, well, I'll make this, you know, kind of metaphor for, you know, different women roles and how, 
you know, lives change and our thirties are much harder than our twenties, especially, you know, that line that Charlie Theron says, like your thirties come at you like a dump truck or something. I don't know. I don't feel that way so far, but that's... <laughs> But again, we don't have kids. Yeah, so that's why we don't I mean, watching, like yeah, I, we should mention that watching this movie, again, we don't have children, and I think that this movie kind of reinforces my decision to not have kids. Yeah, we don't have children, <laughs> and we're not planning to have children. Well, I just, I wouldn't want to put all that on you, man. Yeah. Like, you know, childbirth is, like, rough. Yeah. And... Yeah, so, yeah, again, that twist changes things. And then we have to talk, speaking of Ron Livingston, talking about Drew, then we have to talk about the waitress scene. The waitress scene. Which, before you see, like, before you know the twist, I was watching the movie and I just thought, so she's bringing her, like, night, night nanny into, in her, like, in the waitress uniform that, that, Marlowe's had all this time Tully puts on the waitress uniform because she find because in a conversation they talk about like sex and Marlowe mentions that oh Drew has kind of like a fetish for like people in like waitress outfits and Tully's like oh do you still have it let's check it out and so she try, try, tries it on and then she brings her night nanny into the bedroom to fuck Drew now, the waitress scene is the only scene in the movie that makes more sense with the crappy ending, as opposed to less sense. Because with the waitress scene, when I'm watching this, I'm like, WTF, why are you bringing your nanny into the bedroom? Yeah, why are you bringing her into the bedroom? This is how we're led to believe that Drew first meets her. And, and again, though, but this doesn't make sense later where... Did, did Diablo Cody make up her mind on what Drew believed if the night nanny was there or not when she asked the doctor, what about the night nanny? Well, Drew oh definitely God. believes in the existence of the night nanny. However, the um, Marlo and Drew never discuss fucking the night nanny. Well, they have like this brief scene the morning after where Drew's like, hey, you want to talk about last night? And then she says no. So, we're led to believe that, like, it's really Marlo who's doing the boning in the waitress uniform. And that... You know what this movie needed, though? You know, going back to... I know I brought Fight Club so many times, but again, you made me fucking think it, woman. Uh, um, you know, at least in that movie, it was fun when you have the twist revealed. You have, like, these little snapshots going back to, oh, here's what was actually happening. Yeah. You know, when you thought that this was happening... Jason Reitman, I don't think, has that visual imagination yeah. to him. I think he's too literal-minded. Yeah, so we miss, like, Edward Norton beating himself up. Yeah, and, stuff. and granted, the stakes in this movie aren't, like, Fight Club level. I mean, the ending doesn't, you know, you're not watching things falling apart in, like, massive ways. It's just that it, it's basically just, like, a right... I, I, I'd like to... Uh, the, my my problem with the ending is I can't tell whether she intended this all along. Like, if she was writing this character, again, as this Mary Poppins-ish uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl, using that type of, like, the Manic Pixie mm -hmm. Dream Girl as some type of 
comment or something. Or if she was writing a regular movie and realized, oh, fuck, I don't have an ending. I feel like it's point two. Yeah, I think so, too. I think she couldn't come up with something because we don't really get a sense from Tully that she has some, like, that she's off in in a certain way. She just seems like a nice, helpful person. I mean... A little, she's a little too like manic pixie dream girl s, in the sense that like she busts out those weird facts at weird times. But beyond that, it's just basically it's too cute. It yeah. all fits too cute and tidy ultimately, in what is supposed to be. You know, if again, as you, I, I didn't really think about how postpartum psychosis is a real thing. I, I didn't really know about yeah, that it's as a real much. Thing. Now, knowing that, I think the movie, I feel even, I actually think less of the movie a little bit and more And so, doing that, like, cute ending about postpartum psychosis would be like doing a cute ending about any other serious mental disorder. Well, you also brought up uh, The Last Exorcism, too. Yeah. Uh, not, not, not Last Exorcism Part 2. I mean, just The Last Exorcism, well, the first one. Which was also a very good movie that was incredibly marred by the last five minutes or so. Yeah, so when Ashley and I were talking about this, she and I had very similar opinions about the ending of the movie. And we were both struggling with whether... The we both hated the ending, but we were both struggling with is this ending so bad it ruins the entire movie? And so I and then she said to me, Do we have a last exorcism problem with this film? Because the last exorcism is a movie where the ending is so bad it really ruins the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Like I would tell I would tell people don't see the last exorcism even though 90% of it's good. I, I think the problem though is again as you mentioned she has this car crash and magically her imagined character is gone. Well, I, I just you know that it's suddenly now that she, that Tully will just float away or something. Well the other thing is too when Charlize Theron is in the hospital and she says in her last scene with Tully, or Tully says, I think to Charlize Theron, well, we're not going to be able to see each other anymore. Charlize Theron acts almost as if she's known the whole time that Tully is not real, which yeah. is not how the movie plays at all. No, no, this movie plays fast and loose with how we're made to see something and again, I think that would be fine if the movie was stylized a different way. Yeah. If maybe we were given more clues as to the as to her mental state. The movie doesn't give us enough clues. The movie shows a relatively realistic depiction of of uh, a mother, you know, having another kid. It it. it and if it did, and if it did try to do little hints, it didn't do a good enough job. I yeah, mean, I you know, like for example when she the, the one time we see her really get mad at someone like when she's at the school, and like that 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 woman tells her we can't have your kid here anymore. She flips out. I think just like any mother would. Yeah, I think the only scene that foreshadows it is the waitress scene. Yeah. Um. Now I don't, it might have been funny though had. 
had the thing been, you know, like, what am I trying to say here? If, if the movie had made Tully a real person, <laughs> and then you actually have to explain, have to reconfigure with the fact that they had some weird menage a trois. <laughs> Um, I, I hate the fact that most of the movie is so authentic and is so realistic and is so concerned with, you know, truth, like emotional truth and realism. Mm -hmm. And it completely throws that out. And, and I know, end. and I know what Diablo Cody would say. I know she would say, well, all that is still emotionally true. You know, that all of that is still valid. You no, know, we're, we're learning lessons about life and motherhood. And blah, 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 blah. No, it's not. Because <laughs> portraying someone having, you know, long hallucinations is not like day-to-day -day struggles of motherhood. You can't say this movie is a movie that's simultaneously about the universal struggles of motherhood. Mm -hmm. And it's a super inauthentic portrayal of a crazy woman having prolonged hallucinations. Yeah. It can't be both. No. You know, go for a, you know, if you maybe try a different approach, go for like, I don't know, like played against Sam. That just randomly popped my head. Do you remember, you don't remember that? That was like, it was the early Woody Allen movie where, his character is like dating women and he goes, he gets in a relationship with Diane Keaton and Humphrey Bogart from Casablanca oh, yeah. is giving him like romance advice. At least in that case, we knew Bogart wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, so if she, if she wanted, if Diablo Kobe wanted to make like the unsane of motherhood. <laughs> or, or, um, or again, like, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, you know, when he does this kind of shit, I mean, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think, even though I think, even though I think Tully is quality-wise better, I almost respect Split a little bit more, because that is just crazy from the get-go. And I, I read something that said Diablo Cody, like, this is a pretty autobiographical film, that... Right. She was very overwhelmed when she had her had her yeah. third kid because she was like, oh, my God, I'm taking yeah. care of three small children. And she felt very overwhelmed and very drained and very, I've lost myself. So she hired a night nanny to help right. her, like, get back on track. So I know this is, like, a pretty autobiographical film in a lot of ways. I don't know Diablo Cody personally, yeah. I'm willing to bet she did not hallucinate another human being, <laughs> interact with them as if they were real. Yeah. And then as soon as it's convenient for the plot, that hallucination vanishes so we can have a happy ending. Yeah. It Again, that, that's why I also brought up this other filmmaker, Mike Lee, because that's why I thought at times this was trying to get to that kind of emotional truth. His movies often just follow like these kind of flawed people as they're trying to like struggle through life and um and i also think it doesn't help too that they the movie tries to also build up tully a bit as a character yeah like they show that she has like her own type of emotional problems so by doing all of the and the, by so by having this ending again you're cheating you're, you're making this more of like a hollywood 
bullshit twist thing that, again, the movie doesn't earn, and it's not that kind of movie anyway, where... You know, I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna want to rewatch this movie to try and spot the things that I didn't notice the first time. I didn't think that this it was that kind of movie. I real I actually think it would have been ball here to just stick to the tone of ninety yeah. percent of the film. What, what what stick to that? Make it like that. Make also, make it that make it that movie. Make Tully real. Re, you know, how about you re? You know, you could even. You can even keep part of that waitress scene. You can maybe rework it where maybe Tully's about to go upstairs and then Charlize Theron goes up instead. Yeah. You know, you could have even kept that and the movie would have been fine. And instead, it, it, it you know, it's it, it also, again, it kind of cheapens what real people go through. Diablo Cody used her own experience but then was kind of uncertain or unsure how to stick the landing. Which is so weird because you watch something like Juno, she didn't have a problem there. Yeah, and I feel like also people are rushing out to see a Jason Reitman Diablo Cody movie for, like, plot pyrotechnics. (laughs) I assume you're going in, I assume everyone going into that movie seeing it is perfectly happy watching a character-driven movie, a dialogue-driven movie, and I'm sure, you know, it's a self-selecting audience. The type of person who would throw their hands up and say, Bashaw, I hate this movie because nothing happens. They're probably not seeing that movie in the first place. Yeah, exactly. this This was released a week after Avengers Infinity War, and I'm sure that wasn't necessarily accidental. In fact... This might have even been... A, I, I don't know if they meant for this to be released this weekend back when Avengers was supposed to open this weekend, too. Uh. This was designed as counter-programming. This is basically designed so that, you know, the the people who aren't children and or bearded guys in their 30s <laughs> uh, can have something else to see. And so, yeah, as you said... I, now that you told me about this postpartum psychosis thing, I actually, I am leaning a little more towards the ending being garbage. You're right. Like, Yeah, so uh, that's the other thing, too. I feel like when you deal with so many aspects of motherhood so well, mm-hmm. um, you can't just be totally trash in how you deal with an actual medical condition. Yeah, you can't suddenly pull, like, uh, do you remember The Machinist? Yeah. <laughs> Where, you know, it's like Christian Bale was once fat and killed someone. That's why he's now like a skeleton. You know, at least in that movie, the whole tone is so weird from the get-go that it, uh, it doesn't earn its ending. No, it really doesn't. Now, maybe, because nobody in the movie flat out says she, you, uh, she has postpartum psychosis. Like... That phrase is never in the movie, so maybe, like, Diablo Cody would say, I never said she had postpartum psychosis, you're just reading into things. You know? No, I'm sorry. She just hallucinated and had manic periods right after the birth of her child, and there's a medical condition where you hallucinate and have manic periods right after the birth of a child. Now, I would say, it just suddenly occurred to me, maybe Drew is kind of a crappy father in one small respect 
and I know this might, God, don't, don't come at me, pro-lifers, please. Um, maybe they shouldn't have had the third kid. Well, because, yeah, we know the third kid is unplanned. Yeah, they mentioned that. Maybe the thought, maybe Drew should have been like, hmm, you know, you were, you, you, you really crashed emotionally five years ago when you had our kid, who, by the way, now has emotional problems. Maybe we're good. Yeah, and... <laughs> Again, who knows why they wanted a third kid? I don't know, but... Yeah, so it's an unplanned kid. Um, they say in the movie that, like, they're they're both over 40, so they're kind of old to be having a new kid. Yeah. But... I just feel like I would be willing to cut the movie more slack on the goofy ending if more of the movie was in that tone of, like... La, 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 this isn't real life. Yeah, and I mean, one other thing uh, the devil clearly does, I mean, she'll, she throws in a couple of dream scenes, uh, but they don't really feel anything extraordinary. They just feel like dreams, I think, that anybody would have. Like, she has a dream involving her, like, she's in a car, and her son keeps kicking her seat, and then the son appears in the front seat, and she's seeing, like, multiple of her sons. Um, see, we also see her dream, like, the mermaid at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard someone compare this, that this is Jason Reitman's Shape of Water. Shame on you for making that comparison. I'm really surprised that this movie has such uniformly rapturous reviews. I'm really surprised uh, the ending is not more controversial. Well, well, you know what it is? You said it earlier. I think people just want to have, like... They're so hungry for an original movie that yeah. maybe they'll let it slide a little bit because, you know, you know, 85% of the movie is pretty good. Yeah, and I think the reason why I'm so angry about this ending is I really liked most of this movie. Like, I was really with it. I was really invested. And I think you're right. It, My soul was so hungry th- for a movie there, like this. There, there, there was a... I heard this quoted just recently that uh, the director, Mike Nichols, once said, either you trust a movie or you don't. Uh-huh. And I think we both trusted this movie until we didn't. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think by the end of our talk, I've reached a conclusion about whether this trash ending pretty much ruins the movie. Oh, so you, you have, like, you don't, you think it does? The more, like, I think about it, the more I'm just so angry about the ending... I would still say for people that, again, if you're paying, like, again, using MoviePass, why not? Go go, go see a yes, movie in the theater. if you have MoviePass, <laughs> definitely see this movie. <laughs> if you don't have to worry about uh, charges on your debit card, then go ahead. Um, but again, I, I was hoping for something uniformly altogether like uh again like like their other movies which we know they're capable of because i was a big fan of young yeah. adult and i was a big well, fan of juno well actually i know that i actually haven't seen a jason reitman movie in a while i, I thought he actually made a couple of he made mov- a couple of dogs apparently well we he made a movie with adam sandler that i still haven't seen called men women and children and then he he made another one which i'm actually blanking labor on. day Oh my God, Labor Day! I have never seen Labor oh. Day. How has that never popped up on Lifetime? 
Probably has. Now you haven't seen it. <laughs> but I read a detailed, like, spoilerific review of Labor yeah. Day. So I know basically everything that happened. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. And it about. sounds like the world's dumbest movie. It, that, I mean, I would almost let that slide in a way just because, like, all right, Jason Reitman had boner for this story. He made it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but this, though, again, I, I just... I have to wonder why so many people, like, didn't question Diablo Cody or or even why Jason Reitman went for it and they didn't say, like, oh, are you sure you want to go with this? Is this where we're taking the story? Because, by yeah, by the end of it, it would be one thing if it really impacted the family, too. If, like... This thing had happened, and now there's no, you know, there's no going back or something. <sighs> but it seems like, oh well, you know, I had my special friend for a little while, and now she's gone. It's like it, it she, it tries to take real, um, real emotional and mental distress and turn it into like a hipsterish Mary Poppins situation. Yeah, so the resolution of this issue is when Charlie Theron is in the hospital recovering from her yeah. drunken car accident, Ron Livingston gives a speech about how much he loves her and how he doesn't need her to be super mom. Yeah. And then everything's fine. Yeah. Again, if you want to go for the magic realism thing, actually go for it. Don't, like, try to make it look like it's realistic. You know, make... You know... Make it where Tully actually, like, comes through walls or something. Or, yeah. like, ha you know, is like the fawn in Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. And, yeah. And All apparently, right. you know, problem solved. Oh. All right. I think we're just, we're, we're kind of exhausting ourselves yeah. talking about this. So, if you have possibly seen Tully and have thoughts about it like we did... Uh, please send them to wagesofcinema at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter if you want to send us a tweet or a Facebook message on there. We like we love hearing from you. Please give us a review on iTunes. Uh, we love getting feedback on there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that was Tully. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about movies as we always do. Um, whether they're better or not than this, I guess we'll see. Um, so until next time, I'm Jack. I'm Wifely Duties, Corey. Yes, thank you, Wifely Duties. Thank <laughs> you for going to see this movie. The Wages of Cinema is death. Hugs. All right, have a good night. I hold a baby all day, and then nighttime rolls around, and I'm supposed to just switch gears. Like, hello, I'm all sexy now. You're empty. Yeah. No, you're empty on this side. <sighs> Your 20s are great. But then your 30s come around the corner like a garbage truck at 5 a.m. Girls heal. No, we don't. We might look like we're all better, but if you look close, we're covered in concealer. <laughs>